This is episode 261. What if I told you that I have something unsexy, unappealing, terribly basic, but it's likely the most productive thing you'll ever do? Would you do it? I don't mean once, but I mean would you do it over and over and over again? If you said yes, then you're one of the few people that have what it takes to do what we call the work. If you have struggled to change your eating behavior, your workout behavior, your self-talk cycles, your crappy relationship patterns, and any bad habit that you're stuck in, then this conversation on this episode is for you because we talk in a very real talk kind of way about what really needs to happen in a progressive behavior change situation for lasting and consistent results with your weight loss, emotional eating, gut health, disease situation, or anything that you want to change. Only continue past this point if you're ready to do the work. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. You've tuned in because you want to start taking your health seriously, so you don't, well, get sick and die. Here we talk all things health, nutrition, and human optimization. Let's jump into it with your host and resident scientist, Maddie Lansdowne. All right. What's up, my healthy friends? Welcome back to the show that blows your mind and reframes the way you see the world, yourself, and mostly, in this context, your health journey. And on that topic of blowing people's mind, here's a little freebie I cooked up for you earlier. Did you know that your height differs depending on the time of day? You're taller in the morning than you, were, than you are in the evening because the cartilage between your bones compresses throughout the day as a result of three things, gravity, your own body weight, and dehydration. Is your mind melted? (laughs) How about that for some free information? I'm going to continue down this path and try and help many more people with all the useless and useful things that exist in my head because in 2023, it's my mission to coach 500 people to stop the binge eating and savage self-talk cycles so they can lose weight whilst feeling in control and without restriction along the way. And the link to inquire about how you might be able to join us or be one of those 500 people that finally changed their binge and emotional eating patterns this year is down in the show notes below. So just scroll down, click the link and send over a message to get that ball rolling. Okay, so let's get to the juicy stuff. With me here today is Paul Leverton, who is a self-confidence and board licensed health and wellness coach. He's also a personal trainer, behavior change specialist and certified nutrition coach. He's all of the things. And after spending a decade helping people with their bodies in the fitness and nutrition world, He now helps people with the mental side of wellness, which is, if you listen to this show regularly, something that is a major player in in your health journey. And you'll experience the quality of life that you produce for yourself based on the mindset piece that we'll talk about today. Paul runs a coaching company called The Happy Healthy Academy and also has a podcast called Happy Healthy Human, which he was kind enough to have me on not too long ago. And well, let's get into it. Paul, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing quite well, Maddie. Thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this for a while. Yeah, me too. And thanks for having me on your show. I had had a ball having that conversation. And I'm glad that although it's super late for you right now, I'm glad that we've made this happen. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. So mindset, it sounds super fluffy to a lot of people. At what point in your journey did you realize that as a coach that people needed mindset more than just being told what to eat or do in the gym? Yeah, totally. You know, mindset is one of those words that I, I I don't even like it. It's just very similar to diet to me. You know, it's mm. one of those things that like, I don't like that word because it's like, what does it even mean? It, there's so many connotations. It's such a buzzword right now. It's so cliche, but yet it is the only word that works, right? You know, you know similar to diet. It's like, well, I don't like the concept of a diet in the sense of like a diet ends and a diet is a thing that has a name and a diet is all these things, but it's also like diet is just what you eat all the time. So, you know, mindset, I kind of look at like that, but I started as a a personal trainer and through personal training, I got, you know, really into fitness and things like that. And then the next logical step that everyone takes when they're a personal trainer is to learn about nutrition. Cause you realize very quickly that if most people want to lose weight and to lose weight, the thing that you have to worry about the most is diet. So they go hand in hand. And then a lot of trainers, a lot of people in the fitness space and the nutrition space will come to the logical conclusion that I came to, which is like, oh, there's another piece that's missing here. And I can have all of the programs for the best workouts and I can have all of the diet stuff and all of the nutrition information. And I can hand that to my clients on a silver platter. And for some reason, they still aren't getting the results that they want. 
Sometimes I'm not getting the results that I want. So what is the disconnect that is stopping people from achieving or getting to the quote unquote goal that they say that they want in a world where we have unlimited information, right? Even before, you know, right now we're in the AI revolution, chat GPT will answer anything. But I mean, Google's been around, YouTube's been around, everything, the the answers are out there. So why is it that everyone is not jacked, ripped, and rich? Well, it's because, you know, there's there's another piece there, and that is the the human mind and, and human nature. And that's the part that's we actually have to talk about because again, if, if it was as simple as just follow this meal plan, just follow this workout plan, just follow this budget, just follow this anything, then the world would be a much better place and everyone would be happy and healthy and rich and, and fit. And, but that's not the reality of the world that we live in. So the, the thing that I became very interested in is like, okay, what is that? Why is this the way that we are? And that's you know psychology and sociology and all of these other things. And that became the, the rabbit hole that I dug into for the later half of my career because they're, it's just really interesting to me. And, and I think that is where my time and my energy and my effort is best spent rather than talking about, you know, is brown rice better than white rice? You know, <laughs> I totally understand what you mean. And I, I really respect too that you said in there that, you know, you're yourself, that you, you are not getting the results that you wanted, you know, in the beginning before you sort of acknowledge this mindset piece. Cause I can relate to that as well. I think in this, you know, illusory world of uh, social media where you can put the highlight reel of people's lives up, you sort of presume that people that are in positions of at least their career, you know, quote unquote authority in a space of health and wellness, you just kind of assume they have it together all the time and that they're perfect and amazing. And, you know, it's like, oh, one day I want to be like Paul and Maddie. And the truth is behind the camera and behind the podcast, it's like, yeah, we're not perfect all of the time either, right? We're still victim to the mind that us humans possess. Yeah. And, and that's, that's the whole, the, the meat and potatoes of it right there, right? It's like, I know how hard this stuff is and I eat, sleep and breathe this stuff. I worked at a gym for 10 years. I was on in the gym seven days a week, reading nutrition, reading fitness, reading. And it's like, and I still struggle with this stuff. So if, if, if it's hard for me, like what chance does Susie have or Steve, the dad of three who works a full-time job in accounting? It's like you're you're playing a rigged game and this is what so many people don't understand. And then, then they get down on themselves for not winning. And it's like you you could never win this game. You didn't have a chance and you've set yourself up for failure by playing a game that you that you could never actually win. So that's why it's it's like people are like, oh, well, well tell me what to do to, to win the game like, tell me what to do to lose weight, tell me what to do, but it's like, you need to be playing a different game, right? People would compare themselves to me all the time at the gym, right? And I'm, I'm not even like the most jacked guy because I really don't care about that type of stuff. You know, I'm like, I could be much leaner or whatever, but I'm, I'm in good shape for, you know, for a guy my age. But people, you know, my clients might look at me and they go, yeah, like, I just want to be in, in shape like you, you know, like you're, you're in pretty good shape. And I, I'm like, yeah, okay. So like, come to the gym seven days a week and, you know, work out in between clients when you have time and make sure that, you know, like there's a protein uh, bar to like 20 feet away where you can get a protein shake if you're, if you're ever hungry and you don't have to go to McDonald's and like all these other things. It's like, oh wait, you have a kid and you have a job and you have uh, other responsibilities. Oh yeah. So it's not like that. Sorry. You know, but people don't look at the whole picture like that. So I want to be always very honest and this stuff. And I would say this stuff I mean, change, right? So, you know, that, that's why this is another piece about how I landed on the mindset piece. It's like, you know, the, you, know you, you talked about this on my podcast and even when we were first chatting before we started recording about peeling back the layers of the onion, right? And people are familiar with that analogy, but it's like fitness is like the top layer and then nutrition is at the, the next layer and then mindset is the layer under that. But the real deep root of this is just change. And that's, that's the real thing. So change is hard at its core and anything that you want to do requires change, right? Like very in, inherent in the word is like a struggle because if change wasn't hard, you would already have done it, right? So we don't struggle yeah. to do things that are easy. No one struggles to tie their shoe. No one struggles to eat more candy. No one struggles to watch more Netflix because those things are easy. The things that we struggle to do 
are things that require change and change is inherently hard. So whether it's diet, whether it's adding more exercise, whether it's meditating, whether it's journaling, whether it's doing whatever the thing is, the real point is that you're trying to do something that you're not already doing. And whenever you're trying to do that, it's going to bring up resistance. So I I say all that to say that, again, it is not, is this going to be hard? It is. It is not, I always say it's, it's when, not if. It is not, will it be hard for me to lose weight? Will it be hard for me to to exercise, to do whatever. It's like, it is going to be hard. And you have to prepare for that because if you don't, you're setting yourself up for failure before you even start because you have, again, you're playing a game that you cannot win. If you're trying to get to that end result without ever having struggled or faced pushback, you've set yourself up for failure and you might as well quit now. Yeah, I, there's so many things in what you just said that I want to pull apart. But it, what you just described really rolls into the, my own philosophy about pain and suffering in regards to change is that I have this idea, and sure, it may or may not be scientifically true, but it's just this idea that we all have the same amount of suffering and each day we get to decide which part of the day that suffering occurs. And and so the idea is that you know the overweight person that's got diabetes their suffering might be walking up the stairs as they get to work and there's suffering there that's their heart's under pressure, they're embarrassed, so their ego's taking a hit. There's a few other different bits and pieces that might be there. And then my suffering won't be there, but it might be at 5 p.m. when I'm worn out from a day sitting in front of Zoom calls, which is totally depleting, and I decide instead of sitting on the couch to do Netflix, the suffering is forcing myself to do the workout, hating the first half of it, loving it by the end, but that just this idea that we we're going to suffer anyway like change is going to be difficult anyway you can either suffer in not changing or suffer in changing yeah 100% and i think it's i always have a little bit of pause when i have these conversations because it's a weird thing of yes but no where it's like yes 100% i agree with everything that you just said but if we go too far in that direction then we get into the whole like no pain no gain and like that kind of like old yes. cat, like blown overblown thing where it's like when i say suffering when i say discomfort i just mean something that you don't want to do so suffering doesn't have to be suffering in the sense of like i hate this all the time because again then that backs you into a different corner right so that's the person who's like yeah. i'm just going to eat boiled broccoli and chicken every day and i hate it but it's good for me so i'll do that but it's like you're not going to stick to that either so yes that that's stuff because people will do that like, well i am suffering i go to the gym seven days a week and i run on the treadmill for for an hour and i absolutely hate it and it's like well you've gone too far in the other direction right so th- this is this is the thing that i would say the pendulum swings right and, and and as humans we always look for extremes because extremes are idiot proof right Tell me what to do and I'll do it. But what that lacks is the nuance, right? So I'll do, again, I'll work out seven days a week and I'll go hard as hell and I'll work out till I'm so sore I can't move or I'll do nothing. But the actual Mm -hmm. nuance of finding a program that works for me, that's not just the cookie cutter program that is actually helpful for my body, right? Diet, cut out an entire food group or eat everything. Don't eat between certain hours and certain hours or eat all the time. Right. And it's like we, we flow from extreme to extreme where almost always, I mean, not almost always, always, I've never found an, an answer where this doesn't apply. The, it lies in the gray area and in the in between. So, you know, when we talk about struggle and, and suffer, like I think that people hear that and they go, well, this is supposed to suck. This is supposed to be hard. And I don't think that that's the case. I think that there will be elements of it that, again, have to be outside of what you would normally do. Right. Because again, what what you normally do got you to where you normally are. And if you want change, then inherently that that can't be where you're going. But I don't want people to hear this and go like, oh, this is supposed to suck. You know, like because again, people do that and then they they punish themselves and they they do the the shittiest thing possible. And then, then they pat themselves on the back. They're like, Well, I did it, I hated it. And like it's like, but it's like six months from now, you can't keep that up because you do hate it so much. And again, you've backed yourself into a corner, you're playing a game that is unwinnable and you're you set yourself up for failure before you started and now you start to see already within five minutes of this conversation two things that are completely like both of them set you up for failure 
It's like, well, if I, if I try too hard, then I, I, I fail. If I don't try at all, then I fail. And like, it's just like, and again, now you start to he- hear or see if you're watching this or if you're hearing this, why this stuff is so hard and why it's so important, because this is the reality that when you're trying to do whatever it is, again, change, lose weight, be healthy. Like this is what you're up against. Yeah, I absolutely love what you said. And it's funny because speaking of hating stuff and suffering through stuff before for the listeners, before we hit record, we're talking about how frustrating or how much it sucks to be on social media a lot because it's just so much hard work for very little return. And funnily enough, I actually wrote a social media post yesterday where I talked about the idea that um, self-nurture and self-love can coexist with self-savagery and should and should. And the wisdom is knowing when to apply each of those to a certain circumstance. Because just as you said with the pendulum idea, is that we, if we go too far into self-nurture, we might be manipulating the system to be like, it's okay, you don't have to do it today or tomorrow or the next day or ever, don't worry about it. <laughs> and then self-savagery can be totally self-destructive because you're just, yeah, you're living in a world that's not worth living in because it's just pain all of the time. So yeah, I, re- I really like that you clarified and brought us back to that idea that you know there's a way to do things that is going to work for you that's not total suffering, but could just be a bit of discomfort. Yeah. And it's exactly that, right? The whole self-love thing. I've I've talked about this on my podcast before where it's like, well, again, self-love, self-care. We hear about that all the time. It's so important these days. Don't overwork. You don't want to burn out, right? And that's true. And yet again, if we take that too far to one extreme, then it's all self-love. And then suddenly I'm eating pints of Ben and Jerry's every night before bed and I'm skipping workouts and only watching Netflix. And again, you know, we, it's, it would be so much easier if there was just one set answer. Like that's what people want, right? People come to me when I was a personal trainer, I don't work in a gym anymore, but when I was, people would come to me, just tell me what to do. I'm like, well, we have to do assessments. We have to do this. And like, no, just, just tell me what to do. What's the best workout, right? Every time I would go to a bar or a party or anything like that, tell someone I'm a personal trainer. That's the first question they ask. Oh, what do I do? It's like, it's, it's not that easy. And the same thing with diet. Like people want one answer because again, once I have an answer, it takes the thought out of it. Right. I don't have to think anymore because it's like, okay, I know what to do now. Like, and, and the thought is the hardest part. And everything with it is so nuanced that we want to be able to just like, because doing the thing is hard enough, right? Like, it's like, like, yeah, just doing the diet or doing the workout or doing the meditation or like, but now you're telling me I have to figure out what's the best one or I have to, you know, I, I have to, fi- yeah, I, I can't just do all greens or all this or all that. It has to be something now that I have to think about all the time too. And it's just a situation that we inherently subconsciously try to avoid, right? And this is, this is you know, again, going into why I think this stuff is so important. It's all human nature, right? So when, I, when I'm talking about people and like people can hear this and they kind of like sit and nod their head and be like, okay, like that makes sense. And that's because this is just human nature. Going back to what you were saying before about like how I said this about myself, the reason I can talk like this is because I know myself and anything that I ever talk about to someone else is just something that I've seen in myself. And then I've studied in hundreds and hundreds of other clients that I've had. You know, I, you know, most people will see this play out on a small scale because they only see maybe your own self, your, your partner and your kids, right? Like I've seen as you have Maddie, hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people and have and seen their habits play out and seen how they, they react to things and, and seen this play out at a larger scale because of the because of the profession of being a coach. You know, so a lot of people they think that like like, oh, this is just me, right? Everyone else diets and it works for them. But when I do it, it's so hard and I fall off every two weeks. Everyone else goes to the gym and like they work out and they get these muscles. But when I work out, I don't see those results. But it's like, no, that's not just you. This is how everyone is. And we don't see that because as you know, social media doesn't glorify that part. But the reality of this stuff is, this is the hard stuff that everyone has to go through in order to achieve or to receive success in any regard. And I want to be very upfront and honest with that, about that to people, because I think that's the best shot that people have of actually making it through. And they go, oh, okay, this isn't a flaw in the system. This is a part of the process. Yeah, I like that. So, and it kind of comes back to um, what you said before about you're playing a rigged game. And I've got a question about that because I think that's got a very, an increasing level of validity with the more technology that comes into our lives uh, because we're getting so incredibly distracted. Do you think that it was easier to work on mindset 50 years ago than it is now? Because sure, we've got all of these podcasts uh, and all of this information and we're in this, we're in the personal development era, if you like. However, 
it's like we're so we're drowning in so much information with TikTok and YouTube and Facebook and all of the things that we're so overwhelmed that the game is so rigged that we're always in information collection and it's very hard to tear yourself away from being, you know, so overwhelmed with input. Yeah, I mean, again, it's another perfect example of we want an answer for something that is more nuanced, right? So it's like there is so much of that like technology is the devil, which I, I'm so, I'm wholeheartedly, like I hate how addicted to my phone that I am. It, it, it makes, it gives me pain when my phone pops up and, and tells me how much phone time I had for the week. Oof, and I, and I yeah. see what that number is. Like it makes me physically sick to my stomach. I hate it. I, hate I get it. it so much. I get it. And yet, I mean, if I would be lying wholeheartedly, if I said that just this cell phone, the internet, whichever piece at each individual piece of that puzzle, and not the, even the whole thing have revolutionized the world, changed the world for better, right? Connected people done all these things. Get, like you said, podcasts like this. So in the, in the 50s or 60s or 70s or 80s, before the internet, before before phones and stuff like that, was it easier to be more mindful because you had less distraction? Possibly. But what were the chances that people even ha- knew what mindfulness was back then? I, I actually yeah. just read um, uh, John Kabat-Zinn, whose uh, his book is called Mindfulness for Beginners. And John Kabat-Zinn is one of the people who was uh, credited with pioneering mindfulness in the West. So kind of like the seventies, eighties, he like brought mindfulness over from, from Asia, like mindfulness meditation. Um, when it wasn't like now it's like a pretty well-known thing because again, because of social media, because of all this stuff. And I'm just reading this book and I'm like, Oh, this is like amazing. But like, and it was all pretty like, you know, it's stuff that I've heard before in other ways, but it was still really re- well written. And I was just like, Oh, but like, I'm sure 30, 40 years ago, no one knew what this was like, you know, and like how, what, what a tragedy that would be that, you know, they, I mean, it took me, you know, 40 years after the book was written to randomly pick it up and that how much easier it is for me or for a future generation for, to, to find that type of stuff. Again, even with TikTok, you, you know, if, if you can train your algorithm to feed you the right stuff, it can be a tool for, for really cool things that, you know, you can learn about yeah. lots of stuff that, that, that is really good for you. I mean, health and fitness, I think, is hugely benefited by social media. You know, go back to when I was first learning about stuff, I was learning from men's fitness magazine in the early 2010s. And it was horrible. Like it was just trash information that you were just trying to piece together the the best chance you had of ever learning anything was just you would go to the guy who looked the strongest in your gym and hope that he had good knowledge to pass down to you. And he'd be like, drink milk and eat a steak. And then you think that that was the, the real way that people got fit because you're like, well, that guy was bigger than me and he did it. So that must be how it is. And like, that's why there's so much misinformation out there. So, you know, that's perpetuated in social media, but there's also so much good information. So it's a double-edged sword. You know, you can't, you can't take the good without the bad, but there's a lot of good that all of this stuff does as well. Yeah, I totally agree with that. There's pros and cons to all of it. And whenever there's finance involved, you can almost be guaranteed that one of those cons is going to be something to do with economics and big corporation and big data. But the positives are, you know, just as you explain them. One of the one of the interesting things I find about this mindfulness conversation is that, um, and, and the history of it, and we had a, I had a conversation to a similar conversation recently on episode 249 with Dr. Richard Chambers, and he's a doctor of psychology and he's published, he's associate professor and uh, published a bunch of studies in mindfulness. And we were talking about the history and I'm curious to, to get your thoughts because there's so many amazing quotes that come from, you know, the days of Socrates and Hippocrates and, and there's a lot of literature that can be found in Eastern Asia in regards to mindfulness and how the mind works and how many thousands and thousands of hours monks have spent contemplating what's going on in their own mind and and put it into books and then if you go to shamans and energy healers in South America there's you know families with thousand year lineages of studying the mind in intricate detail do you think that over the course of time in the same way we've forgotten how the pyramids were built that possibly once upon a time in some of these cultures this was super normal this conversation around changing your mind and we've forgotten about it as time has gone on? Yeah, 100%. Well, I don't think that we've forgotten about it. I think it's always been there. It just has been brought to the forefront now, right? There was, so there was mm-hmm. Stoicism, there's ancient Buddhism. Every, every ancient or major religion has these elements in it. 
Judaism, Christianity, Buddhism all have sit in silence, right? What is prayer? Like sit and, you know, you can call it God, you can call it the universe, like, but, but, but what is like all of this mindfulness, but just like, you know, disconnect from uh, the, your, your expectations, right? Understand that there's a, there's a higher power that's going to, that's going to take care of things. It's, it's all, you know, it's religion and philosophy, or you know, if you take out God, religion basically becomes philosophy and then stoicism yeah. and Buddhism and all these things can you start to look very much alike. And you, you can read, you know, there's a, a saying I say on my podcast a lot, which is that everything is the same. Everything is everything. And again, that's peeling back the onion. Once you get, uh, you get deep enough, you realize that the answers for everything are the same. You know, consistency is key, right? You say that about diet a lot, but that's also fitness. That's also life. That's also relationships. Yeah. That's also business, right? And if these philosophies are, are kind of the same way, the stuff you read in Marcus Aurelius meditations, you're like, the reason that stuff is so timeless is because you're like, oh, this could have written, been written today. I mean, the book that changed my life the most, well, I don't know the most, but Think and Grow Rich, right? Is what the, This was kind of the thing yeah. that, that opened me up. This is the first personal development book that I ever read. And the reason it was so amazing to me because this book was written in like 1905 and I'm reading it in like 2015 and I'm like, this is this is, could be today. Like what, like there's the guy is talking to me right now and like, this is so amazing. So when you find that, that stuff is timeless. But now it goes back to what you were just saying, you know, back before the internet, you had to search that stuff out. So the only people who, who found that stuff were the, the crunchy kind of hippie fringe people, you know, the kind of <laughs> yeah. like, okay, like they had to go out of their way. This stuff was more off to the side. Now it's become more mainstream. Now wellness has become more mainstream. And again, a lot of the people where even five, 10 years ago, it was all about your body. A lot of those people are now saying like, no, you know what? I think there's something more. So again, we go back to the benefits of social media and all this stuff. It's taking this stuff that would have been reserved for uh, a fortunate few who happen to stumble upon it, right? Like that's the thing is like some people just happen to pick up the right book at the right time, which is still how it goes. But now you are much more likely to do that because if you're listening to a podcast like this, you're already in that world. If you're following someone like on TikTok or on, on Instagram who's talking about this type of stuff, you're already much better off than the majority of people in the past. So picture this, right? Unlocking your potential, conquering emotional eating, and gaining insights directly from a health and nutrition expert such as myself. That's what we do inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group, which is currently free to join. If you've ever felt trapped by food challenges, struggled with maintaining a healthy lifestyle, or yearned for a community that understands the reasons why you've yo-yo dieted for years, then there's a new chapter waiting to be written. And this is your chance to start writing it by joining us all on Facebook Lives, on engaging posts that push you out of your comfort zone and into growth, and Q&A sessions with me. All of this works as a platform to begin changing your emotional eating problems for good. Oh, and also, as a special gift, you receive my transformative How to Turn Food into Self-Confidence ebook. And that's also for free. I get it. Skepticism might linger. You might think, Maddie, I've heard these ads and I'm not sure. Well, at least a quarter of the members inside the Healthy Mums Collective Facebook group have been paying clients of my emotional eating program at some point over the last three or four years. So if you're not sure, you can post in the group and ask to find out if I'm the real deal or not. It's totally up to you. To join us in the free Healthy Mums Collective and to end your emotional eating and feel good in your own skin and begin that journey, pop down to the show notes below, click the link and breeze through three simple entry questions. Join today and let's embark on a journey of growth and empowerment. The link is in the show notes below. Yeah, I think and Grow Rich is an incredible book. Like I love that you mentioned that. I found that and I've read it a bunch of times and this conversation is probably going to inspire me to pick it up again. And if, for anybody listening, if you've ever had challenges with money um, or you've, you know, just want want more of it, want to bring more of it in, Think and Grow Rich is one of the most important personal development books in the finance world. But it, it goes on and I really like that everything is the same idea because I often say a little sort of mantra that I repeat on the podcast a lot is how you do anything is how you do everything. And if you've got problems with your diet, you've probably got problems with your finance, you've probably got similar problems that show up in a different way in your relationship, you know, and there's these little little commonalities through all areas of your life. And so I think that's an incredible book. And, and it kind of explains uh, why, you know, there's generational wealth, or you might perceive a particular family to have health or health issues or bad genetics. And it's, it's because of many hundreds of years of that information not being freely available. So all you learned from, all you had to learn from was 
person above you and whether that be this is how we eat live and think about ourselves or whether this is this is how we create a business and earn lots of money you as the child then just ab- adopt or absorb the information of your parents and so it seems like oh that family's just really lucky but nobody else had information the information outside of the family in that community to be able to produce the same results and and so i think yeah that's a really good way to put it the way that you talked about it i know that you um you talk uh, a lot to millennials and you and i are both millennials do you think millennials are disproportionately uh, affected by negative mindsets or entitlement or privilege or, or whatever it might be that make them susceptible to needing mindset work? Well, I think that it's just one of those things of, you know, millennials specifically. One is like, I feel like people talk about like millennials. I never know exactly like what, you know, what I feel like everyone has their own definition of what, what, what exactly that means, but I'm 33, right? So when I think about millennials, I think about people who grew up in that age of like, the internet grew up with the internet, right? So like there's the, you know, yeah. the Gen Z or whatever is like you were born into it and there's TikTok. And then like my sister, even who's 10 years older than me, like she was a full grown adult before the internet happened. And like, she's still like barely computer literate. But like I, you know, we computers came out when I was like in elementary school, like, like regular, like desktop computers, like, and then, you know, the internet when I was in high school was like, you know, and then t- smartphones came out when I was in college, like the first iPhone and like very much trace the trajectory. So I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there will be studies in the future that show like how that uh, trajectory played out with the people who who were uh, growing with it. But it, it was it's definitely something about the expanse into the social media world, meaning, like you just said, right, before this, you only talked to or knew or met the people that you were with right? Like, you know, kids today, or I say kids, like anyone under the age of like 25 or something today, or like, we'll take for granted that it's like, you didn't used to know that many people. Like if you knew 20 people, like that was probably a lot. And, you know, so like the human and the human brain is not, has not yet, you know, learned to grasp this yet. And that's why so many of these disconnects happen. It's because you're comparing yourself to too many people, right? Mm-hmm. You, you, everything comes from evolution and we evolved to be pack animals. And the pack was 15 to, to 50 people tops for tens of thousands of generations. And now in the last 10 years, instead of having 10 to 50 people that you are around, right? Like you would, you might grow from a baby to an adult with these same people some would live, some would die, some would move, some would come back. But for more or less, you would see the same people and like everything that you knew about. And we are all social creatures and we, everything that we do is comparison, right? We, we learn, we learn by comparing ourselves to others, baby and, and, and mimicry, right? This is a, there's a concept called mimetic desire. And basically m- mimicry is what shapes most of what we do, right? When a baby will look to its mother and when it when something happens to learn how to react, right? This, that's the example of like a kid skins his knee and then is fine, but then the mom runs over, going, "Oh my God, Timmy, are you all right?" And then he sees that the mom is is fr- is scared, so he gets scared and starts crying. Right. So a lot of what we learn as humans comes from how do we we look at others and we mimic others, and so we were and we, that's built into our DNA. And now we have this this tool in our pocket. It was started with computers, but now it's in our pocket at all times and on our wrists sometimes for some people, where it's like now I have a sh- stream being blasted into my face of not hundreds, but thousands and millions of these people all the time across the world, people who, again, look a certain way, but that's that guy's whole job or people that have this much money, but we don't know what, 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 where they came from or if it's real or if it's fake or whatever. So it's, it's just overloaded the circuitry of our brains in a way that, again, it's going to take a long time to, to adapt, it takes generations and generations. But I think millennials are in a weird fit of a, a weird place with it. Like I said, because my sister, who's a little bit older, she could just not go on social media. She just doesn't care. So she's like, yeah, like I don't, I don't get TikTok. Well, that's it. Whereas like, and again, someone who's born a little bit later than me is just like, yeah, like this is just all I know. But there's that, that sweet spot of, you know, people in their thirties to forties right now, where it's just like, oh, like I don't, my brain does not comprehend what's going on. And now I have this comparisonitis and analysis paralysis and all these things are happening and we don't know what to do with it. And again, it comes back to now I feel like I'm broken when it's like, no, like your human programming just wasn't made to deal with this stuff. Yeah, it's funny. I'm 33 as well. So I totally understand 
the the flow of event, events that you're talking about. Did you have a MySpace? Were you in MySpace yeah. when that began? Yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> we probably sound like relics <laughs> or fossils to some some of the Gen Z out there. Like, what what is what is MySpace? But I totally had a MySpace as well. Um, and I was going to ask too. You mentioned mimetic desire, and that triggered a memory for me of um, the book Wanting by Luke Burgess. Have you read that? Yeah, that's where I got that a lot of those concepts from. Yeah, such a good book. Another good book recommendation for anyone listening that wants to understand human behavior um, and ritualism and the history of learning how to do stuff from the people around you. It's an incredible book. Um, and yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see some of those studies as we as we move forward because I think you know from my own personal experience, you know, at thirty three and being a millennial, is that I feel like we were the generation that got got the heroin before we knew what heroin was. Um, and that heroin, what I actually mean is unlimited access to our own dopamine supply um, and through social media and phones and that every revolution of the technological sort of you know world was just like, how amazing, how amazing, how amazing. And now we're on the other side of it where everyone's addicted to their phones. We've got you know, um, the food as well. So sugar, of course, is dopamine producing. Um, and so whether it be addiction in any direction, we're all seeking that same pleasure, comfort, nurture, you know, feeling that happens within our body in a hom- as a hormonal response to these things. So I think that possibly, and, and maybe this is an overstatement, but possibly Gen Z is better equipped because they have not known the world without it. Um, whereas, and now that we're sort of young adults, you know, in our 30s now, us... Uh, millennials were sort of just like my life is a mess and i blame the dopamine addiction of social media <laughs> well yeah and it's also it's, it's also video games too right like when you and i were yeah. young i literally started with nintendo like the original nintendo same, same. and now there's like <laughs> i i don't i mean i i feel fortunate i'm not a, a gamer like i never i didn't get sucked into that world but like what xbox whatever P- playstation 5 and it's like people gaming like non-stop you know same thing with food delivery right you know like now it's not yeah. like just food delivery but you have like uh what are these ones like the ones that like will go to just like the the, the grocery store and just pick up whatever you want you know like or pick up go to the corner yeah. store and get you ice cream and go to this you know like and deliver it in 30 minutes or less and it's like we have instant access to not just social media but just literally everything like you said it instant yeah. whatever your dopamine button is like you can hit that at any time and like you said there is something to be said for someone who was born into it has a little bit more of a chance to be like, okay, like I can, you know, like, uh, chill, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to go down that. Whereas like when, when you haven't had, you know, I've, I've had experiences like this with clients with uh, food, right. Where, you know, when we talk about what, what triggers their, their binge eating and they kind of do a exploration of their past and they, they it kind of goes back to when, oh, when I was a kid, I wasn't allowed to have this thing. You know, my parents were very strict or something like that, or we were poor. So we didn't have the money for this. Now that I'm an adult and I can have it, now I need to have it as much as I can, right? So we kind of go, it's that, that thing of like, oh, I, I couldn't, now I can, so I want it more. So there is something to be said about that of like, oh, this stuff is all new and shiny and, and I've never experienced this before. And now that I can experience it, I want more of it. Yeah, uh, I completely relate to that. And it's funny too, you got me thinking when you talked about the meal delivery is that growing up, the only food that got delivered was pizza. It's the only thing that you could get de- delivered was like the pizza delivery. And then whether it be the supermarket, well, where I grew up, the supermarket probably closed at 6 p.m. back then. <laughs> um, but, you know, like things were either closed on a certain number of nights or, yeah, you had to drive and pick it up yourself. And that was normal. But we're almost at the point with Amazon that they'll they'll go beyond delivery. They'll just feed you. That's the next step. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I always joke that like, it's going to be just drones just delivering food into your mouth. At the, you know, that's like, <laughs> yes. that, that is the next step. They're just going to fly at you with, with burgers or something like that. <laughs> I, I think that's relatively accurate. If not an IV drip, just straight right. into your veins. <laughs> I mean, it's like that. It is a sad truth, but it's like the, the movie Wally. you know, if you know that, that Disney movie, it's like, it's like all of these like allegories are like, things about the future it's like that it it is what's going to happen eventually if we don't if we don't change at a societal level because why wouldn't it again you know going back to what i was saying before everything that we do in life that we want is hard and everything that, that we want in the sense of like the things we aspire towards right so losing weight being rich looking a certain way those things are hard but the things that we actually want in terms of what gives us dopamine, in terms of what feels good in the moment, those things are easy. Eat a burger, eat yeah. a candy, watch a Netflix, 
you know, masturbate, you know, play a video game, whatever the thing is. It's like that stuff is easy. So again, you know, this is why talking about going back to the mindset side of things, it's like, this is the stuff. This is the real thing. It's like, this is talking about the rigged game. This is what you're up against. You're up against a world where everything you want lays out in the future after a long hardship. And everything that your body need, wants or your body is tempting you with or your body is saying, yeah, pick that, pick, pick that thing is immediate and ready for you in, at the push of a button of your phone. And that's only going to continue to amplify and get worse or get more challenging. So these are the type of things that, you know, when, when you have to kind of think about, I always say, you know, when, when, when clients or anyone is telling me about something that they're struggling with or that, you know, it's hard for them or something. I'm like, the very essence of the thing being hard to me that you're struggling tells me that you're in the right place. You know, the, the, fa- the yeah. fact that you're like, that you're feeling that pushback, that you're feeling that resistance, whether it's a diet, whether it's exercise, whether it's not wanting to have that tough conversation with your spouse or your partner after you guys got into an argument, right? Rather than just going to bed angry at each other, not wanting to ask your boss for the raise or whatever the thing is. It's like that very feeling of like, oh, I don't really want to do this. That's the thing that tells me that you're in the right place, right? It's a, you yeah. have to have that little bit of resistance because the feeling of, yeah, I love this all the time. It's so, it's so good. It's like, that's probably too easy. And that's my dopamine system just being fed on a loop like a the the cocaine mice or whatever it is that are just you know eating you know getting fed drugs and running around in circles until they die yeah well and and i guess as an extension of what you're talking about there i'm curious to know from your perspective what fundamental beliefs or principles do people need to adopt in order to be able to cultivate a resilient and empowering mindset to not behave like the cocaine mice. And for anybody wondering, there's a bunch of studies on cocaine and the, the mice the mice really enjoyed the cocaine more than the sugar and more of all the other things and died on their own dopamine supply, basically. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's again, a hard question because people want an answer, right? There's like, okay, like this is the part I've been waiting for. I got my notepad ready. All right, Paul's going to tell me the one thing that I can just be more resilient. And it's like, again, if it were, I always say if, if it were that easy, I would be the richest man on earth. I'd be sitting with Jeff Bezos and flying into space right now because I would I crack the code, right? If I had the one answer for how to everyone to be skinny and rich and happy and fit, it 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 would be, you know, that would be a lovely thing, but that's just not the reality. And and I think that is the biggest piece is to under so you have to be realistic with this stuff and understand the game that you're playing. And I keep saying that because it, it is a game and you know, I I think this can't be overstated enough because what people want is for me to you to ask that question and me to tell an answer. What they don't want is for you to ask that question and me to go, hmm, well, kind of, it depends. Maybe sort of not really, you know, it's kind of nuanced, but that's the truth of the matter. And by wanting it to be different, by wanting it to be one way that it's not, again, we're setting ourselves up for failure automatically, right? So this is the person who would come into the gym and go, well, I'm trying to, I want to lose 20 pounds in two weeks. And I'll go, well, you know, a more realistic weight of, rate of weight loss is about a pound a week. And you, you could probably lose that much in six months and be a, a really great place a year from now. They're like, no, but I want to do it in two weeks. And it's like, it doesn't matter that you want to do it in two weeks because that's not how this works. So wanting it to be one way is only, and then that person who wants it to happen in two weeks, they could lose that weight in three to four months. But the fact that they want it to happen in two weeks, they're going to quit, right? So that's the whole thing is like when you think that you, you, you want it to be one way and it's not that way, that's what sets you up for failure. So when people want to be resilient or want to be, or, or want to be more uh, consistent or whatever the word is that they're using, like you have to understand both sides of what you're looking for. But meaning there's you're trying to get something. What is the bad that comes along with the good, right? You're trying to, you want to, you want to have six pack abs. That means you have to work out what's the bad that comes along with the good. The bad is the soreness. The bad is taking time out of your day. The bad is coming home from a late night of work and you haven't worked out yet. And now you have to go to the gym when you really don't want to. The bad is skipping nights out of uh, with your friends because you have a workout scheduled in the morning or whatever it is. I'm not saying that that's actually bad. I just mean like those are the things that you're not going to want to do in the moment. So you have to weigh those as heavily and be realistic with those. Otherwise, again, you've just, you're playing a game of like, 
a living in a fantasy land where everything is gumdrops and rainbows and you can just be like, oh, well, I'll just do the easy part and never have to do the hard part. So I just want people to be realistic with what they're doing. And then you can make a decision, right? Because if you go, I just want to, I just want to be super fit and healthy. And I'm like, okay, well, who, who the hell doesn't? Like, obviously, you know, but if you say, well, I want to be super fit and healthy. And to do that, I'm willing to do the stuff on the other side of that coin. That's a person who's actually has a chance at least at succeeding at it. Yeah, I like that. I was sort of trying to synthesize everything you were sharing just then because, you know, and we've discussed this before, like you and I are very similar in in the way that we do things and in this mindset space and being real and honest and accepting the good with the bad and and all of that kind of thing. But it, it sounds like fundamentally, the step one in order to create a resilient mindset or be someone that is capable of change is to fundamentally accept the truth and still move forward. Yeah, I like that a lot. That's, that's, you know, I, I, I teach change as a three-step process. So I say, uh, you know, it's, I call the AEA loop. So A, awareness, E, education, A, action. So awareness is the first step. Just you don't know what you don't know. Right. So, and that's the, that's the, that's someone going like, they go to the doctor and they go, Hey, your, your cholesterol is really hot. You need, you, you need to fix this. Like, okay, I'm aware of the situation now. I don't know what, what I have to do about it, but like, that's the first step. Education is next, right? Now I actually have to learn, okay, what, what actually needs to happen for me to do this. And then the last step is action, right? Cause nothing happens without action, but the action and education cannot happen without that awareness. And it did like just ha- being problem aware and is, is such a huge part of this. But I think that if I like, you can even synthesize this down, like even more, it really is just action. Right. And, and that's, you know, because again, that, that inherently in, in that one word is everything because everything that you don't want to do is not taking action. It's staying the same. Right. So like anytime like you and, and this is why, you know, my, my I have a, uh, a concept that I that I talk and write a lot about is just called do the hard thing and do the hard thing. Going back to what we were talking about before, it's not about the hard, torturous thing. It's about when you come to a fork in the road, you have two options. And everything in life is this way. Right. You have do or do not. Yes or no. Right. And always there's one of those things has to be harder. One of those things is going to be a thing that you want to do more. And one of those things is going to be a thing that you want to do less. And you always are supposed to choose the thing that you want to do less because Mm -hmm. the thing that you want to do less is inherently the thing that doesn't give you the instant dopamine hit. It's the thing that your, your brain, your, your monkey brain, your lizard brain, whatever, you know, whatever that, that, that ancient part of you is saying, yeah, eat the sugar. Yeah. Watch the Netflix. Yeah. Just go to sleep. Whereas the logical, rational part of you is going to know that that's the thing that you should do, but it's also going to go, oh, but that kind of sucks. But again, that is what tells me that's what I have to do, right? So like when I feel myself, when I feel that happening, when I'm like, oh, I don't want to do this, that to me is the trigger. Like, oh, okay, wait, I have to do that. Like when I don't want to take the cold shower, it has nothing to do with, with, with like, is a cold shower good for me or something like that? It's like, oh, I'm supposed to do it now. When I, when I was debating, do I quit my job and go all in on my business or do I, do I stay at my job where, you know, where it's safe and secure? And I was giving all myself these reasons of like, yeah, you know, it's a, it's a good job and they're, they're, they take good care of me and it's a great company and they, they really love me and they've, they've, they've been so nice to me. And like, you know, I don't really want to, and I was like, I, that's when I quit. Like right there was like, was like, oh, that's me trying to keep myself safe. That's me trying to stray away from the thing that I know I really need to do, but is going to be really hard and it's really going to stretch me. Same thing. If I feel like, because there's days when like not going to the gym is, is the right answer, right? You don't need to go to the gym every day. You don't need to go to the gym like, and like, you don't need to work out every day. There's days when eating the Big Mac instead of the salad is the answer, right? Some days I'm just like, that's, that's fine. But it's, it's what am I thinking about? Am I tricking myself into doing it and pretending like, Oh, you know, like I just, I, I really can't today. Cause I was like, no, like that, that's when I need to, to push up. If, if I need a rest day because I've, you know, because that my body needs a rest day, then that's fine. But when it's like, Oh, I just, I just can't, I'm so busy as I hit next episode on Netflix. It's like, Oh no, like that's something that's telling me I need to actually do something hard. Yeah, I like that. I really like that a lot. So much that this conversation has motivated me to go immediately afterwards and do a workout. So <laughs> I'm going to do that. Um, but uh, because you talked about in there, 
people don't know what they don't know, I would love them to know where to find you online. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the the place that I would love people to connect with you most is just my podcast, Happy Healthy Human. Uh, Any of you where that podcasts are found. And then on social media, the best place to find me is just Instagram. It's just my name at Paul Levitin. If you want to have questions or want to talk about any of the stuff that we've been talking about, the podcast are there the best place to catch me. Awesome. Awesome. And thanks so much for jumping on the show. I really appreciate your time as well. And for anybody listening, if you've enjoyed this episode and you really like the real talk approach and you know somebody in your life that needs to hear it as well, please share this episode and blame Paul and myself for any difficult conversations that come up as a result. Um, But uh, before we wrap up, Paul, what is one piece of health information that you wish more people knew about? One piece of health information, I think... One thing that that I think kind of became more obvious to me or more clear to me over my many, many years working in the health and fitness world is how real and helpful the small things are. So little things where in the past I would have, I, I used to think like, stuff that they would like were cliche, like park farther away, take the stairs instead of the escalator, you know, you know, trade a a regular soda for a a water. And I'd be like, "What, what difference can that make? But it turns out that those little things make much more of a difference than the things that you really think. So walking to the store instead of driving, if you do that every day, will do so much more than one hard workout or something like that. You know, taking the stairs every time I go to the bathroom, if I take the long route and take the stairs instead of, you know, to go into the bathroom right next to the room and I go to the one a little bit farther, that adds up to so much more over time. So I always say to my clients, you know, sometimes the simplest things, the easiest things, the things that seem the most obvious are also the easiest to ignore. It's the easiest to go, okay, like, yeah, 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 I, I know that, but like, who cares? But those are the things that I think that people should be paying more attention to. Yeah, easy to do, but also easy not to do. Uh, so totally get that. Awesome, man. Well, thanks for hanging out. I appreciate your time. I'm going to put this podcast out to the world. And uh, yeah, a lot of people are going to enjoy the real talk, I reckon. So thanks for being here. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you soon. Thank you. I appreciate it. See ya. Thanks for listening to the How to Not Get Sick and Die podcast. If you love this episode and health information is your thing, then please consider subscribing to the show. And when you're done, head over to iTunes, Google Podcast, or whichever app you use, and we'd be grateful if you could leave us a five-star rating and write a review sharing your opinion on the show as it really helps the podcast grow. Thanks so much, and I'll see you on the next episode. Whilst the presenter that feature on this podcast endeavour to provide accurate information, it cannot possibly take into account your individual circumstances, and therefore the content on this podcast provided by any of the speakers is not intended as advice in any way for any individual, and should not be a replacement for professional medical or health advice of any nature. Always seek advice regarding your personal situation from a qualified medical professional.